Welcome, thank you so much for joining us today at Elam Lutheran. If you would please sing with us, our first song is You Are My All in All. Grace to Grace. Grace to grace. 
passion that tore through hell like a rose The promise that rolled back death and its tone If freedom is worth the life you raised oh, Where is my sin? Where is my shame? Brothers and sisters at Elam Lutheran Church in Lake Stevens, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Pastor Herb Hoff once again speaking to you from uh, outside of Olympia, Washington, where we live, and looking forward still to that time when those of us who are spread abroad might be able to return and, and be together face-to-face, uh, -to -face, hand hand-to-hand, and in God's grace and mercy. We continue on uh, the study and messages focusing on taking it to the streets, and it's uh, quite a bit further than just the streets today as we look at the text. It is from Acts chapter 16. I'll be reading from verse 4 through 10. As they went on their way through the cities of Derbe and Lystra and Iconium and Antioch and Poseida, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they, that is Saul, Paul and Silas and Timothy, went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. 
And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And in a vision appeared to Paul in a night, a man of Macedonia who was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be using these next minutes to help us see not only what you were doing way back then, but what it is that you are doing today, that we too might be able to speak, but also to listen and hear what it is that you have to say, not only to the churches, but to us, your people, in this day. I ask it, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Well, as we begin in this section of uh, Acts chapter 16, I just want to make a couple observations quickly before we get into the message. Uh, number one, Paul and that team have now returned to the mainland, uh, not on the island like they had started on that first missionary trip, but now they've gone up north and headed west, and they get to the areas of Derby and Lystra, Iconium and Antioch and Poseidon. Those were those main cities that they spent time in in that first mission journey. There, they delivered to the believers the decisions that had been reached by the Jerusalem Council by the apostles and the elders who spent time discerning, wrote the letter and sent it out to make sure it made uh, impact on those who were coming to faith. The ministry team has now grown. When they left uh, Antioch in Syria, there was two of them. It was Paul and Silas. And now they get up to the cities and there's another added. In verse three, we find out that Timothy, younger man, has been added. And by the time we get to the end of the section here in verse 10, there's one more added. Name's not mentioned, but we know who it is. Uh, when it's the writer of the book of Acts, because he uses the term we. Not only it used to be they did this, they did this. Now it's we. Uh, Luke is involved. And finally, uh, just to, to put things in perspective, this journey that they are making that's going to be heading on up, uh, eventually ending at this point in Troas, is not just a little leisurely afternoon walk. It is a 400-mile journey. To put that in perspective, imagine you're going to make a 400-mile journey. You've got to strap on your sandals and head on to I-5 and head east. And by the time you make it over a couple passes out of Idaho, you finally make it to St. Regis in Montana. It's about 400 miles. Or if you'd rather go I-5, start at Seattle and walk on down to about Grants Pass, Oregon. That's the distance that these evangelists, these missionaries, are making on foot. And as they are going, things are going to be taking place. Now, the first visits that they are going back, and remember when Paul and Barnabas first talked about the second missionary journey, let's go back to those cities and encourage them and strengthen them. And then the division that came about John Mark, Barnabas and John Mark head to, to um, the island where he grew up, Sicily, not Sicily, 
Anyway, headed over there, and Paul and Silas, they head up north to Tarsus, where Paul's from, and then they head west, heading over to encourage the brothers there. And when they are there on the first trip, um, they met great success, and they made great struggles. At Antioch and Poseida, uh, many people came to faith, but eventually Paul and Barnabas were driven out of town by the men of the city. When they finally make it down to Iconium, a great number of Jews and Greeks come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but there are still unbelieving Jews who poison the minds of the Greek against the missionaries. They seek to mistreat them, and they get out of town alive. Next, they come to Lystra. Paul and Barnabas are mistaken for, for gods. And, and when they realize what's going on, they're getting ready to make a sacrifice to them. They, they, they call a halt to it. And, um, well, it doesn't go real well. I'll tell you why. It's sort of like what happened on Palm Sunday. Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David, followed by, just a few days later, crucify these who wanted to offer offerings sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas now are so infuriated that they actually stone Paul and throw his body outside of the city as if it were dead. Now, it takes a bit of courage to walk back to these places where, first of all, they know there's good things going on, but those good things go on at quite a price. And it was the comfort and safety of Paul and Barnabas the first time, now Paul and Silas and Timothy, who find themselves going into a place that might have real mixed reviews. Great news, the gospel of Jesus is going to be proclaimed. The message from Jerusalem, it's Jesus alone. No extra requirements, no circumcision necessary. Pork sausage is now allowed, and Jews and Gentiles they can actually mingle with one another and not worry, not worry about causing problems because they are interacting. Paul, Silas, Luke, they have gone through these places. They've done what they'd set out to do, bring encouragement and, and set down in stone, as it were, uh, the, the parchments that had been set out by the, by the elders in Jerusalem and the apostles. Now what do we do? You just imagine what's going through their mind, because there is this whole great area to the west. There's, there's the area with that, that encompasses the, the seven cities that, that Jesus writes letters to in the, in the second and third chapter of the book of Revelation. There's Ephesus, there's Sardis, there's Pergamum, there's, I mean, the Laodicea, there's, there's all these wonderful cities. And all of a sudden, something happens. They are up there at Antioch of Poseidon, and the Holy Spirit says, do not speak the word in Asia. And, and that's that whole big area of Western Turkey, we now call it. Don't speak the word there. Oh, okay, so instead of going west, they head up north, heading toward the Black Sea. And, and up there, when they get close to, to uh, Bithynia, 
It's the Spirit of Jesus who forbids them to enter. And it's, and it's almost like these apostles and missionaries are, are in a cattle chute. And, and God's Spirit is directing where they can go, where they can speak. Don't speak it in Asia. Don't even think about going into Bithynia. No, that's not what's going to happen. It's the Lord who's going to open doors. It's the Lord who is going to shut doors that no one can open. The ones he opens, no one can shut. The ones he shuts, no one can open. It is interesting that even though they're not allowed to go to, to Asia at this point, later on, Paul's going to spend more than two years in Ephesus, one of the great cities in Asia. Up in Bithynia, when, when Peter writes his first letter, Bithynia and Pontus are, are, to, are part of the receivers of the first letter of St. Peter. Uh, these areas are going to be reached, but right now is not the time. You know, there's, it would have been a good thing to go there, but sometimes the good things get in the way of the best things. And there's a better thing that God has planned than bringing the news to Bithynia and to bring it to Asia right now. And that better thing is going to happen when they leave Troas. The angel to uh, the church at Ephesus writes in Revelation chapter 3, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. Those are the same things that are taking place. God closes the door here so he can do something better somewhere else. One of my friends is a man by the name of Pastor John Lee, married to Hannah Lee. And, and, and these two, uh, John Lee grew up in the mission field early years of his life in Bangladesh. His folks were missionaries. And as he was going through life, he, he sensed God's call to be a pastor. And during his seminary studies at the Free Lutheran Seminary, he sensed God's call to go back to that area of, of India, Pakistan, uh, Bangladesh. And he and his wife, Hannah, who, who grew up as a missionary's daughter also, uh, they set out to do that. But God closed that door. They couldn't go. So what happens? God opens another door. Now they are ministering down in Brazil, learning the language and being prepared for what God is going to do for this season. He's closed the door in one area to open it on the other side of the world. Or a good friend of mine, Andy Coyle, did his internship at, at St. Hansgar's Lutheran Church where I served. He was the first intern we had in the Free Lutheran Church. And, and he had a real heart's desire for mission. Uh, he began as a pastor in Iowa and then was called by the Eastern European Missions uh, Network. And he went to Ukraine and he began to teach at a Bible school there in Ukraine. And, and he was there a handful of years and then something ugly happened. A door began to close. And who closed the door? Russia. 
They came in, they invaded down, uh, well, if you remember some years back, uh, 2014, 2015, in that area, uh, Russia came and took part of Ukraine back from them. Now, at the Bible school where Andy was teaching, there were Russian-speaking Lutheran Christians, and there were German-speaking Lutheran Christians, and with the Russia involvement and, and taking over that area, uh, they were still brothers and sisters in Christ, but there was such a struggle. And the Bible school ended up having to close down. The, the doors were closed. It wasn't a loss for the church of God. That was lost. But now Pastor Andy and Monica, they are in a mission congregation in, in the Black Hills, Rapid City, South Dakota. And, and Shiloh Church is, is doing a, a great mission, home mission work. God is doing what he is doing. When, when God opens the door, no one's going to close it. When God closes the door, no one else is going to be able to open it. And so going through this, this, this cattle shoot, as it were, you can't speak it in Asia. You can't even think of going into Bithynia. Where do they find themselves? Just skirting around and entering Troas, not too far from, from the ancient city of Troy, from the Trojan Wars and all of that. And at Troas, something takes place. It's, it's like God says, I'm going to share with you why I wouldn't let you do that and wouldn't let you do that. Wait and you will see. Follow my lead, and you will not be disappointed. And so as they enter Troas, uh, Paul has a vision in the night. Uh, interesting, Peter had a vision in the daytime that led to Cornelius's uh, coming to faith in the Lord Jesus and all the things that were taking place there down in the Holy Land. Now, another vision comes, this time not to Peter, but to Paul. And this time, not during the day, but during the night. You might say it was a dream. The scriptures use the word vision. And what do they see? What does he see? He sees one who is very obviously a Macedonian. And, and he says, come, come here. Come here and help us. Come here. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes there's times when I have dreams. And the dreams don't make an awful lot of sense. But I know, even though it wasn't mentioned, who that person was. It might not look like anyone I saw, but, but I knew who it was. Well, Paul knew who this was. It was one from Macedonia. Come over and help us. And so Luke says, we did. We left for that. Listening for God's will listening for his choice, his direction in our life. It was something that Paul, Silas, Timothy, and now added to the team, Luke, had done. But how do you know? How, how can we understand God's guidance for today? Do we have to wait for a, a vision? And, and, and it could be that God is going to send a dream that will, will give some clarification to something else that's going on. But, you know, sometimes dream, they 
our response to something bad we had for supper or a bad experience or something else and they sort of come and process through when we're asleep. How do we know what God's word and what God's will is for us today? And I just want to share a couple things that, that can maybe help us. First of all, we can begin to understand God's will when we allow his word to captivate our lives. When, when our minds and our hearts are all wrapped around what it is that, that God has got going, it begins to, to make more and more clear what God's plan is. God has made known his will for us through revelation. For, for, for Paul there, that revelation came through a vision in the night. But Paul was one who was also steeped in God's will. He'd gone through a time and the others with him where God's direction was no, don't, stop. And now it was things are open. And they perceived that vision was God that was speaking. God has sent his prophets in the past. And his ultimate revelation, God has sent his son, Jesus. The letter to the Hebrews begins with those <coughs> excuse me, those wonderful words. In many and various ways, God spoke of old through the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. We can know what it is God is about when we become more and more familiar with Jesus. When, when the words of the prophets and the apostles begin to dwell and, and, and clarify our minds and our hearts, we get an understanding of what God's will is. We can ask God for wisdom, for direction, and, and he's not going to mock us for asking, saying, oh, you knothead, why do you even have to ask that? No, that's not what God's going to do. If any of you lack wisdom, James writes, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But ask in faith. Don't be wavy like a, like a sea that's tossed to and fro. Believe. Ask and know that he is going to answer. Another thing? Well, seek godly advice from godly advisors. Those who have walked with the Lord and have had a sense of what God's will and word is, they can help purify and clarify those things that God may be speaking in your life. Ask for, for godly counsel to share with you godly wisdom. And it's amazing how many times they're going to help maybe close a door or see a door that's open that you completely overlooked because, because your mind and your will and your heart was really leaning another kind of way. And yet they can maybe see some of the pitfalls as God shares and leads through them. Also, know that where God guides, God provides. If, if there isn't provision for something to be fulfilled, maybe God isn't in that right now. It could be that later on that time is going to come. Right now in, in our section in Acts chapter 16 was not the time to go to Asia. 
But the time was going to come where Paul spends years there ministering and learning to love the people at Ephesus and sharing God's word with them and all the grace that God has to do. Sometimes, sometimes we get caught up and settle for good things and we miss the very best things that God has for us. If you want to know how God leads you, what he wants for you, commit your way to the Lord. Whatever you do, do it for God's sake. Make your plans subject to God's intervention. Don't set your face like flint to make sure this is going to happen when God may have something so much better and so contrary to what you maybe even were thinking. Allow him to lead you. Make your plans that are subject to God's will. <laughs> Late in the book of James, he says, don't, don't brag about what you're going to do. No, preface it with, if God wills, this will take place. God's going to take care. He may open some doors. Uncomfortably, he may close many doors. But it's not a mistake. What he's doing, he's doing for your good and for his glory. And I would pray, Lord Jesus, even now, that you would help us to, to, to spend those times speaking when we need to speak your word, that we would have our ears open to, and not only our ears, but our hearts and our minds open to the direction of your Holy Spirit, closing down things that are outside of your plan and being open to the very things that you have planned. We bless you, Lord. We thank you that you haven't left us alone. You've given us your spirit, that your name would be glorified. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I'd also like to, to pray for, for the needs of our society, the needs of our world. We pray, Lord Jesus, again, for, for those who find themselves uh, feeling very lonely, uh, some feeling fearful and locked away in their homes, because of the coronavirus, because of the direction of our governor and the health departments. I would pray, Lord, that you would, you would give to us a, a real sense of how it is you would use us. That if there's phone calls that we can make that can, can help soothe some of that loneliness, maybe give some direction and peace. If you would be using our hands and our minds and maybe even our driving to pick up supplies for people who, who might be uh, less than in perfect health, pray, Lord Jesus, that, that you would work your work through us to your glory. We pray for those who've lost loved ones, Lord, to this virus, to those who uh, may be sick and close to seeing you face to face, and because of what's going on in our society, Family and friends aren't there to, to walk together with them. For some, it's, they've already lost a loved one. And that chance to say goodbye in a, in a more traditional fashion has been postponed for a time. We pray for your comfort, your wisdom, and your grace upon them, Lord. We pray for wisdom for our governor, for those who are making decisions that impact all of us, Help us trust you in the midst of all of this, Lord. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you, knowing that your grace is there. 
and that you would even use these things to your glory and to our good. We pray, Lord Jesus, in your name, even as you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Again, I invite you to open your hands, to open your hearts, and receive the blessing of God who loves you so very much. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with the greatest of all his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Our final song is Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. And he was raised to overthrow the grave.
in me.